Well, hello, CMYK community, and welcome to another CMYK Talk podcast. My name is Matt, and if you're just jumping with us for the first time, welcome. So glad that you're choosing to spend the next few moments focusing on, thinking about, hopefully having conversation about some things that we think really matter. We are in the midst of this series of talks of Advent 2017. Advent is a season where we are pointing ourselves towards the arrival of Christ. December 25th is the day that we celebrate this idea of hope and the Savior of the world and what that means and how it impacts us here today in 2017. It's an important conversation, hope, these kinds of things, is it not? And so uh, we are, rather than just kind of talking about it, and you know, we typically talk out of some biblical texts and what it has to say to us here today, um, rather than just us kind of finding our own texts that we're kind of looking at within the Scriptures— what we're doing is we're actually kind of joining in with the Christian teaching calendar, and there are many churches all around our city and really all around the world that are all talking about these same texts together, um, because partly, not only is it the Christmas season that we talk about those texts, but partly I think it's good uh, for me and for us to just remember that we're a part of something much bigger, and as kind of weird and quirky and intimate and unique as the CMYK community can be on many levels, just to remind ourselves that this this story, these ideas are not unique to just us as the CMYK community, but that we are a part of a much bigger stream that's got some history and roots and weight around the world. And so that's what we're doing. We're just jumping in, going to be talking about this text uh, that we find in this Advent season. And then... Uh, I hope to just kind of provide some space and opportunity for you to maybe reflect and think about what this text would mean for you in your own life in this Advent season. Before we do that, though, I want to quickly remind you that we've got coming up in a couple weeks this thing that we call Sing Along and Cider. This is one of our favorite things that we do all year. We rent out the pub station, which is a local music venue in downtown Billings, and we just spend time doing everything that the title of the event is called. We spend some time singing some songs that help us remember and reflect and celebrate everything that matters and is significant in this season. On top of that, we have some time of um, reflection and meditation and processing some things together, recentering and refocusing ourselves on some things. And then we've got free cider. It's a sing-along with some cider. It's just the best. And I hope that you are able to make it. We got kid care available, so bring the whole family, invite friends, neighbors, family, all of that. And uh, we hope to see you there because it truly is just a blast. It's at 4.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve, which is a Sunday this year, December 24th at the pub station. It's a free event. And please, do everything you can to make this a part of your holiday tradition. We don't think you'll be sorry. It's going to be a blast, and we just love seeing everybody come out for that. Okay, so today we're looking at this text in the prophet Isaiah. This is an Old Testament text talking to, communicating to his people, and this is what he has to say. Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort. Comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her, that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. 
and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice cries, a voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Go on up to a a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Now, I'm not sure where this text hits you. There's a lot of ideas and concepts that are being presented by the writer of this text. But for me, as I sat down and kind of read this for the first time in preparation for this talk, there was something that just jumped out at me and I couldn't I just couldn't avoid it. I couldn't ignore what was being presented. It was like this continual repetition of an idea. And this idea that I kept seeing and reading was the use of voice. We see it all over this text, right out of the gates. The text says, comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. Verse 3, a voice cries in the wilderness. Verse 6, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? There's this picture, an image, go up onto a high mountain, O Zion, herald, speaker of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald, speaker of good news. Lift it up, make it loud, and fear not. There's this incredible repetition of the use of voice in the midst of this text. This is what the prophet Isaiah seems to be coming back to over and over and over again. There's something to say. There's something to say. There's something to speak. There's something to herald. Do that. I couldn't get away from it. It was like interacting with another prophet that you've probably interacted with before. His name is John Mayer, and he spoke so eloquently, say what you need to say, say what you need to say, say what you need to say, say what you need to say. If you've heard that song before, you know that's the whole chorus. There's this thing in John Mayer's song that's called Say that he repeats over and over and over again that you cannot stop listening to that song and walk away not having heard or not having interacted with the idea or the concept that he's trying to present because he keeps repeating it over and over and over again. It reminds me of this text in Isaiah where Isaiah seems to be repeating this idea and concept over and over and over again. Speak, cry, say, herald, lift it up. There's something about the voice here. But here's what I find truly fascinating about this text. Isaiah is saying, you've got to speak these things. You've got to say these things. You've got to hear these kinds of things. It's all about the voice. But everything that's being spoken about, everything that's being invited or commanded to say and talk about, all of these things are not currently present in the lives of the people that he's writing to. Many of you know that the text of Isaiah is written 
It's prophecies to and about a group of people that life is not in the best place possible. There are things going on in, internally. There are things going on externally that they wish they could change, and they are unhappy with where things are. And it's in the midst of that that Isaiah is talking about and inviting people to speak about things that are not currently there. There's these ideas of speaking that warfare has ended, when the reality is warfare is all around them and a high potential for them. Saying to speak that iniquity has been pardoned, and the reality is as they feel there's a sense of guilt and shame for the things that they have done and are currently doing. These things are not found in the reality of the world that Isaiah is speaking to, yet he's commanding, inviting them to say these things. This is the idea of hope, is it not? It's the idea that you are in a situation, in a place that you do not want to be, and that there would be words and a voice speaking to what you actually want to see happen, pointing yourself, leaning towards a different kind of reality. This is hope. There's something about this text that Isaiah seems to connect these two ideas, that your voice is a tool of hope. Learning to speak a different reality from where you are is something that we bring to the table in those situations where we don't want to be where we are when life is upset and not okay. Your voice is a tool of hope. Now, For some of us, that's not too far off of a concept or an idea, but honestly, this is something that I can struggle with. This idea of being in a place where we're unhappy and just use your voice to speak a different reality, this is something, this is something that doesn't set well with me very often. Because again, all of us know what it's like to, to not be okay. All of us know what it's like for the world to not be in the place we want it to be, whether it's internally within us or within our family, things are not where we want them to be. Within our country, there's this tension that we wish would just go away, whatever it is. We all know and have been in that place. And for someone to show up and just speak a different reality, it can feel so cheap and so flippant all the time. I mean, how many of us have been in a situation where you're struggling and walking through some real hard, difficult things, and someone shows up and tries to speak hope to a situation, and maybe in their heart of hearts, they really are trying to do a genuinely nice, good thing, but it comes across so cheap because you're carrying the weight of this huge thing. You don't know what to do, and someone just shows up and says, it's going to be okay. Or they'll bring in some kind of spiritual language and they'll say, God has everything under control. There's a plan here. And there's this part of you that, okay, your voice is a tool of hope, but the reality is, is right now you just kind of feel like a tool <laughs> because this doesn't help. This isn't actually doing anything to speak or bring hope into my life at all. It just feels cheap and flippant and easy, and it actually upsets me more than it actually helps. Or how many of us have been in a situation where we don't want to be and someone throws out a Bible verse? Again, their idea or their, their heart might be to try and genuinely help. But many times, they're throwing out this verse of, you know, all things work together for good for those who love him. And there's this part of you, it's like, it's like this princess bride moment of, I don't think those words think they mean what you think they mean. Like, there's something disconnected here because that's not helpful and that's not doing much here. 
many of you know <clears throat> that I'm currently in a situation with my family where a family member uh, has a brain tumor, brain cancer, and it's not a good situation, and it's not getting any better. Cancer is actually progressing. And the number of times and the number of people that, again, their, their heart is probably genuine and good, but they show up and they try to say these things like it's all going to be okay. And there's this part of me that just responds and says, yeah, but is it? Is it going to be okay? Your idea of speaking and using your voice as a tool of hope is actually hurting me, hurting the situation. Because there's a reality here that it, it just doesn't seem like we're dealing with. We're just throwing out these flippant, cheap phrases. Is that what's happening here in Isaiah? That we're to just take this and go, okay, your world isn't okay, life isn't okay, so just, you know, here are some phrases or some ideas, just say these things over and over again, just memorize these verses and everything will be fine. Or is there something different here? For me, looking at this text and trying to understand, okay, Isaiah's got this point of using your voice as a tool of hope. There's something, a couple things that really rise to the surface, and first and foremost, what I see is the language that's used here is very specific and very thought through and worked through language. These are not just flippant ideas and phrases. These are things that someone sat down and processed. Okay, here's what needs to be said in this moment. It wasn't just a knee-jerk reaction. It was, this is what needs to happen. I mean, you look at, at this idea of verse 3 even, where he says, A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken." There's some incredibly specific imagery and language. There was some work that went behind these words. This isn't just saying what Isaiah could have said as far as like, hey, God's going to show up. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what's being said in all of this language and all of this imagery. Hey, God's on his way, just so you know. But this is not using your voice as a tool of hope to just throw out flippant language. There's something specific and thought out and that you understand there's weight to this because someone's put some time and energy behind it. I think this matters when it comes to using our voice as a tool of hope because we live in a world where words are increasingly cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. We watch TV shows or newscasts or we listen to different people interact online if, and, and there's these like moments where people are just throwing words out there and someone hasn't really thought through or processed things. Someone isn't bringing an educated, thorough piece to this. They're just you know throwing language at things, thinking that that's going to get someone else to shut up or that's going to be the thing that causes someone else to, to move in the direction they want them to move because words have become this cheap thing. Compare that to interacting with somebody or a text or a book that you've read that you can feel and sense the weight the thoughts, the work, the specific imagery that someone is bringing to something, and the power that that has, it matters. To use your voice as a tool of hope, it starts with actually sitting down and saying, okay, what needs to be spoken here? What's specific? What kind of images? What kind of language? 
How can I say this in such a way that it would carry some kind of weight? Not just throwing out a phrase, but actually doing the work. Because your voice is a tool of hope. But secondly, secondly, I see something else really interesting happening here as well. Here's what I know. I could say the word waffles. And for me to say that word, it puts an image, an idea in your mind of waffles. And for some of you, you're thinking of Eggo waffles and you know putting a couple of those in the toaster in the morning. Some of you are thinking of the waffles that you make at home or your aunt or grandma makes. And there's this part of you that's like, yeah, those are good waffles. Or maybe Perkins. There's some of us, all, all of us have an idea of waffle when I say that word. But when I say the word waffles, I'm not communicating about any of those things, because when I say the word waffles, I'm talking about Eben Coffee waffles. Eben Coffee is this coffee shop in downtown Billings on 2nd Avenue that, um, first and foremost, has some of the best coffee in the state of Montana. It's incredible. But secondly, they make waffles. And the waffles that you're thinking of and the waffles at Eben, those are not the same thing, (laughs) particularly on Sunday mornings, because what Eben does is they do two different kinds of waffles. You can get a sweet waffle or a savory waffle. And the waffle itself is not just something that you throw in a toaster and then pull out. The waffle itself, it simultaneously is this crispy, buttery goodness on the outside and this gooey, warm, beautiful thing on the inside. And there's a weight to it. There's a heft to it where you might need to eat six or seven of those waffles. You eat one of Eben's waffles and you are full. You walk into Eben on Sunday morning and it smells so good. It's a spiritual experience for your body to just walk into that place. Some of you have a place that you go on Sunday mornings and you call that church. Some of you might come to Art House on Sunday mornings for our gatherings and that's your church experience. Let me tell you, no, true church is happening at Eben Waffles on Sunday mornings, because it's a spiritual experience for your body to walk in and experience that. The savory waffles, you can get these things that are just, they put things on top of waffles that you would never think should go on a waffle, but the minute you put it in your mouth, you're like, why am I not doing this every day of my life? Because this tastes so good. It's so buttery and salty and good. Or you can get the sweet waffle that has different kinds of fruits and syrups and whipped cream, and there's this part of you that's like, this is better than any donut I would put this against anything else on planet Earth in some levels because it's so good. It's a waffle. Here's what I know. You sitting down or going for a walk or doing whatever you're doing right now, listening to this podcast, you were probably not thinking about waffles. But the minute I started talking about waffles, all of a sudden, that came into your brain. And the more that I talk about waffles, the more imagery and specific language that I use for waffles, the more potential there is to, for you to actually change the trajectory of your life and at some point to find yourself at Eben Waffle on a Sunday morning simply because of the words that I spoke here in this podcast. I'm not conjuring a waffle by saying these words. The more I talk about waffle, it doesn't make a waffle appear in front of me or a waffle appear in front of you. But the more specific imagery and language that I bring, the more I speak about waffles, the more potential it has to change the way that you interact with your time, your money. You go spend money on an Evan waffle, your resources. They're all different because of what's been spoken 
This is what marketers and advertisers have known for years, that language and speaking things has the potential to change our lives because we will now go there, buy that, spend time, energy over here because of words and images that have been spoken. Is there not something here in this Isaiah passage speaking and bringing language, specific imagery to things that are not currently present. And it's not like to say these things is conjuring up any of these things. Isaiah is creating this idea of a place without warfare in the season in a place where there is lots of warfare. Isaiah is speaking these things. It's not like he's conjuring up peace simply because he said these words and he said the right magical words. No, But what is the potential of it? To speak of it and to bring specific language to it is to change the way that we see and interact with the world that maybe just maybe just like heading putting ourselves on a path to go get an ebb and waffle, it has the potential to put our lives on a path towards peace. Because your voice is a tool of hope. And when we use specific language and imagery and we think through it and work through it, There's the potential for it to shift the way that we see and interact with the world. You see, I find this really fascinating because this is what Jesus actually does. There's this moment in the Gospel of Luke, at the very beginning of Jesus' life and ministry. He hasn't done really anything up to this point. And there's a story of Jesus walking into the synagogue, walking into the religious place of the day, And speaking this language, this is Luke chapter 4, starting verse 18, Jesus says to this crowd of people in the synagogue, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set all, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Here's what I find fascinating. Jesus is not conjuring up any of those things simply by speaking it. He's not, he didn't say those words and then ta-da, it was all there. No. What is Jesus doing? He's using his voice as a tool of hope and he's putting himself on a path to say, these are the things I'm about and this is where I'm headed. And he's choosing to speak them because that's the power of our voice, that words can create worlds. That Jesus is inviting and saying, hey, this is where we're headed, and so I'm going to speak it because this is the path that we are on. To be a follower of Christ is to hear and see this kind of language and to choose to follow his lead. In the midst of situations and lives where we are not okay, where things are not going the way that we want to, we are not using flippant language, but we are bringing specific imagery and words to point ourselves and point those around us towards a life that matters and is significant towards peace, towards liberty, towards freedom for the oppressed. This is the power of our voice. Hope matters in this world. And what I believe and what I see through this text in Isaiah is that your voice is significant in that hope. That following Christ... And seeing more beauty in your life and in the world around you is not just about reading some things. It's not just about feeling some things or thinking some things. 
It's about choosing to position yourself in such a way that you are speaking hope to the world around you. And it's specific and it's thought out and there's work involved with it. It's not flippant. I think about just what's happening in our world. This idea that there are these weapons that literally with a touch of a button could kill hundreds of thousands of people. And it can feel like at times that people are playing video games with nuclear weapons. There's something wrong and broken with that, that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people could just be gone because of someone, one person's choice. And to speak hope, and to speak of a day when there is no, all nuclear arsenals are gone and dismantled, and there just isn't that capability for us as human beings anymore. To speak of that kind of world matters. To speak of a world where the addiction, whatever it is that you're carrying, this internal thing that you just can't seem to get off of you. To speak of a day of freedom where you no longer, where I no longer carry those things. It matters. And to bring specific language to it. It's not just a, well, someday, somehow, somewhere, but to begin to do some work and to understand, okay, on this day, I'm going to start this, and on this day, I'm going to start that, on this day, I'm going to stop these things, and to understand and point ourselves what speaking hope can do. For some of us, it's finding our, our, our lives in a place where we're really wrestling with the whole idea and concept of God and the divine. And just like the people of Israel in this text in Isaiah, we feel like he is distant and gone, and we're not even sure if it's a real thing that's out there. And the potential to speak hope of there is more to this world than just what I see, touch, and feel. There is this divine presence, this mystery, and it is found in love. And it is found in embrace, and I am loved and embraced. I am known to speak and point ourselves towards this. It matters. And so it's in this Advent season with this text, we ask ourselves the question, what needs to be spoken in your world? What kind of work do you need to do to maybe set down this podcast and think through and process, okay, here, here's the situations where I'm not okay where things are in my own internal life, with my family, with my friends, with the world, with our country, whatever it is, and what are the words of hope that I need to speak, to speak to myself, what are the words of hope that I need to speak to my friends and to my family? And I put the work in that these words would have weight because your voice is a tool of hope. And we need your voice for that. I love you. And I hope, I hope uh, that you are one that is bringing your voice to this. This is what it means to follow Christ to show up and to speak these things and to point ourselves towards these direct, in these directions. If there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. Other than that, 
hope to see you for Christmas Eve, or as always, you are always welcome at one of our Sunday gatherings. We meet at 10.30 a.m. or 6 p.m. at Art House Cinema. Um, But uh, we will talk to you very, very soon.